Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. In 2020, the San Francisco Giants drafted R.J. Davlovich from Arizona State University. He went from a kid who did not like baseball to a top draft pick by the Giants, hitting 100 miles per hour. He has absolutely dominated in pro ball, making it all the way to AAA in just two years. Giant beat writers have raved about him all season. I got to talk to RJ and we talk about his high school career where he was absolutely dominant. We discuss playing in one of the more iconic Jucos out there and crazy stories such as post-game wrestling and insane punishments only found in the junior college environment. We discuss Arizona State and playing with fellow studs like Hunter Bishop and Torkelson. RJ was awesome to talk, and I let him know that he might make me do something I've never done in my life. I explained what that is and why in the interview, so listen to the end. Anyways, always leave a review and give us a follow. Enjoy the pod. RJ Davlovich, how is it going, brother? Not too bad. And yourself? I'm doing great. Did I pronounce the last name right? Yeah, you did. All right. I, I was practicing as soon as he, before he got on, just standing, looking in the mirror like, I got to get this right. I can't screw this up. It's not, it's not an easy one. Yeah, perfect. Well, how, how's it going in Arizona? You're there uh, for the uh, the offseason. How's that going? going pretty good just hanging out right now just kind of relaxing and then the body recover before i you know get back in the gym and start getting after it again probably in about eh, a week or two or so just again just enjoying my downtime right now and hanging out with some friends and family and yeah. uh just have a blast yeah do you have a lot of like family out in arizona because i know you're from california originally right or no colorado colorado, colorado originally colorado, yeah. colorado. uh i have an aunt down here um and an uncle uh and then Again, just hang out with friends. I'm going back to Colorado probably next week to to just stop at home and visit my yeah. parents and yeah. grandparents and all that fun stuff. That's awesome. So I was I was um, looking at your your high school stats here, and let's jump right into that. Um, you were the ninth over rank over ninth overall ranked player in, in the state of Colorado. Um, when did you realize you were kind of nasty at baseball? Uh I mean, <laughs> I thought I was in high school, like senior year. Like, Junior year, I was, you know, coming back from that little arm injury. I didn't pitch a whole lot. And then senior year, I thought I was pretty cool, pretty yeah. good. Um, and then I went to junior college and realized that I wasn't that good. And then after my freshman year of junior college, when I, like, actually, like, developed, I actually thought that I was, you know, pretty nasty. And yeah. that, was, that was the realization for me that I could, I could, you know, pursue a career in baseball and actually make something of it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not a stats guy, but, dude. I was looking at your stats in, in high school. In, in, two, in varsity, you were 7-2 and two with a, 80, a .80 ERA and uh, almost about 70 inch, uh, innings pitched. I mean, is that good? You tell me a .80 ERA. <laughs> ERA. <It's> not bad. <laughs> um, so, like you mentioned, you thought you were kind of like, you know, top, uh, you know, hot stuff in high school. Like, um, obviously, with those numbers and stuff, like, and being a top-ranked prospect and all that kind of stuff, like, how was it, like, with that pressure of being, like, Maybe like I don't know if you were that dude on your team, but just being like that one of those get top guys in your state. 
I mean, I didn't really feel a lot of pressure in high school. Uh, we had a really good baseball club down there. Um, a lot of, you know, good quality players. Um, so it kind of like dispersed it out where like if I ever had a bad game, someone was going to find a way to pick me up. Yeah. Um, my grand, I didn't have a lot of bad games in high school, <laughs> but again, like, um, I mean, I had, I had so much fun playing with my friends in, in, in high school and, and competing with them that there was never really a big pressure to win or, yeah. or pressure to, to do good. It was just more about having fun with my friends and hanging out every day. Yeah. When did you start playing baseball? Like, uh, were you like in T-ball and uh, all that kind of stuff? I was about 11, 10, 11 years old, like fourth to fifth grade. I actually didn't, I hated baseball, um, in elementary <laughs> school. Uh, I loved football, loved basketball. Wow. I thought baseball was pretty boring. And I only started playing uh, because one of my friends during the summer, like all my friends were playing. Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't want to not hang out with them. So like, why not just play baseball? Like it's, it's, it's just going to be a, a way to hang thing. out with them. And just another thing. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, it was fun. I had a good time and two, three years go by. And then, and, and then I started to fall in love with baseball. Yeah. So you went from like, eh, baseball is okay. Kind of boring to like, wow, I'm really good getting playing for Arizona state. Like, and getting drafted in the fourth round by the San Francisco Giants, one of, like, a storied franchise. Um, mm-hmm. So at what point did you realize, like, you know, like, um, like I'm going to start taking this more serious? Probably my freshman, sophomore year of high school. Okay. Um, that's when I had, like, my first kind of velo jump, and I started doing a little bit harder, started getting some college looks. Uh, and when that happened, I was like, okay, like, I kind of want to like actually pursue this. Yeah. Let's see what can happen. And then, you know, I started taking, uh, working out more seriously, my nutrition a little bit more seriously. Um, and just dedication to actual baseball a little more seriously and more full time. And it started to pay off for me. How, how hard were you throwing in high school? Uh, freshman year, I was like mid to upper seventies, maybe low eighties. Okay. And sophomore year, again, when I started taking it seriously, I had a pretty big jump and I was like 89 to 91. Jeez. And then I committed to Wichita State, and then you know I had a little arm issue after that, and then and then senior year I was like up to ninety four. Dang! So what is the hardest hardest you threw in like your senior year? Senior year was ninety four, and it was the it was the playoff game against I think it was Valor Christian. I was up to ninety four, yeah, and that was that was pretty cool. So what maybe would be like your advice for guys in like high school trying to like get that velo game because nowadays like velocity is like so big like everyone wants to throw hard and you throw hard but like what was maybe something that worked for you in order to gain like that velocity i mean the biggest the few biggest things are one just trust it's gonna come like Mm -hmm. like don't like freak out about it like as you mature in age you're gonna start going harder it's just how the body works other than that like work out gain weight gain muscle mass gain flexibility and just get in the weight room, get with a trainer, and, and, and really work. Yeah. And if you put in the work in the weight room, then, again, as you mature, as you grow, the velo will come. Like, I, I, all, all young kids chasing velo, like, yeah, it's cool, but, like, at the end of the day, like, it just it, – it, 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 it comes with age, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's not something that you can just instantly go get as a 12-year-old. Like, hey, yeah. I'm going to go grind and, and pull down weighted balls for, you know, three months – and I'm going to throw 90. Like sometimes it just it takes a maturing with age and maturing with your body and just sticking to it and sticking to the grind. And you'll see the numbers pay off eventually. Yeah. And speaking of numbers, like I said, I'm not a stats guy, but like I'm just checking out <laughs> some of these stats, dude. Like kind of nasty. Like your senior year, your ERA was 0.27. 
Were you just body bagging hitters in Colorado, like all season uh, season long? Yeah, I mean, again, like nothing against. I think Colorado baseball is, is slept on, but uh, the reason why it's slept on is because more. I, I'd say more than half the teams are kind of that poor talent. You know, yeah, just they, they don't have a really good coach. They, okay. they say they don't like. You know, they're they're lacking on players. Yeah, so like half the teams in 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 in, in, in that four A Colorado baseball are like kind of tough. Now there are there is some good talent in the other half. But again, like you kind of like feast on that lower half. And sure. You can have a few good games against the good teams, and you you know you end up end up with some pretty good numbers at the end. That makes sense. So, like, who was maybe someone else that was pretty good, like in your in your state? Like, maybe you played against in travel ball, or somebody who ended up going uh, D one, getting drafted, stuff like that. I mean, we had a bunch of good kids, especially my senior year. There was me, Jacob Hilton, who went to uh, Central Arizona with me at uh, Caleb Sloan. We actually had like a we had a little group that's called the Fuzz Club. Nice. That was kind of all of us. We were all working out together, and, and we had probably like five or six guys in the low to mid '90s senior year. Which again, like in Colorado, that's a that's, lot. That's gas in Colorado. So it was pretty cool. Um, you know, good hitters. Uh, played against Otremba, Tanner Otremba. He yeah. went to uh, I went to, I think Tech, Texas Tech, and then Arizona, and actually got drafted by the Giants this last year. Oh, cool. Um, so that was pretty cool, and then. Uh, Cole Wynn was another one I played against. Who is, yeah. you know, he's Cole Wynn. He's pretty nasty too. So yeah, they're good. Again, there's a good group of high school baseball players in Colorado. It's just every year they start to get a little bit more looks at, and then all of a sudden, like they're pretty, um, pretty good at the end of it. Yeah. So let's let's dive deeper into this Fuzz Club, or what did you call it? Yeah, the Fuzz Club. <laughs> so who came up with the name? Was that like a like an actual club, or is that just you guys got together? You're like, what are we going to call ourselves? Like, we need yeah. a name. <laughs> We all kind of worked out with this guy named Sean Cashman. He was kind of okay. like our pitching coach, kind of uh, mental skills coach, like all, yeah. all around, just kind of good guy, good coach guy. And we started working out, and then I forgot who coined it, and it just kind of came up, and it was uh, it was pretty fun. And then and we all kind of took it to heart and uh, kind of like owned the personality of it. Yeah. So all, all of you guys were just p- uh, pitchers, just throwing gas. Yeah, trying to anyway. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's so sick. Okay, cool. Um, and. Good time. Yeah, and like you talk about Colorado, like the the state of like uh, how many or how many good players come out of Colorado. Um, so I grew up in California, like where okay. they just produce talent. Not produce, me, apparently. Yeah. I got missed. I got I got missed. <laughs> but everyone else that comes out there, you know, is pretty good. Um, I've talked to guys like in the Midwest where it snows a lot, or like even from Canada where it snows a lot. And I'm sure Colorado gets a pretty good good amount of snow. So you can't no, you can't practice like year round like the Florida kids, the California kids. So. Throwing like ninety four, that's like the equivalent, probably hitting triple digits in like these other states. Sometimes, and stuff. yeah, definitely. I mean, again, like the biggest thing is uh, like a lot of Colorado kids see velo games in college because they mm-hmm. call it thawing out. You know what I mean? Like you get out of the cold, you get on a throwing program, and get working out year round and outside, and all of a sudden you blossom into this. You know, if you were ninety ninety two in high school again with maturity, with thawing out, all of a sudden you're ninety two to ninety five yeah. throwing cheese and. And it's just again like always stick to it. Like if you if you think you can, you can. So yeah. always stick to it. Yeah, I mean, I got to figure out how I can get involved in the Fuzz Club. I got to figure out how I can start throwing. <laughs> maybe I have to get into a throwing program. Maybe that's maybe that's gonna be my my, my program. See if a non baseball player can start hitting some gas and stuff like that. Um, when did you like, when did you first hit triple digits throwing? Or have you have you hit triple digits? Have you hit a hundred? I have. I think twice. The first time was uh, during COVID workouts. And it was a pretty fun day. Like I like a few weeks prior, I was throwing live ABs, and 
I was like 96, 97, mm-hmm. 98. Like, it was, it was throwing hard. And then, you know, took a week off and came back right after the draft, too. Like, literally, I want to say like four or five days after the draft. Uh, and came in through a live AB. And, like, the first at bat was I didn't throw a pitch on the 98. Dang. And then the next at bat, I was like 96 and a half, 96 and 90, or 90, sorry, 99.6, 99.7, 99.8. And then, I was finishing up and I was like, okay, I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to not try. Yeah. So there's a batter in the box, but I mean, I just chucked it as hard as I could, like four straight times. And the last one was 100.1. There you go. So what was that? Like, what was that emotion or that feeling of like, all right, dude, I just hit triple digits. I mean, it was awesome. Like you kind of like work, like if you want to throw hard, like that's the, at the end of the day, that's arbitrary goal is getting a hundred. And for some people, it's just not an, anatomically possible yeah so you always wonder if like your ceiling is 99 sure sure and then when you finally break through and get that number you're like oh damn like yeah how how high can i go so pretty cool you know i've been i've been working hard and trying to get to to 101 haven't gotten there yet but uh hopefully next year we can get to it yeah for sure i mean so when you hit 100 were you thinking to yourself like all right i'm kind of a dog (laughs) yeah i might be i might be good at this game it was it was kind of funny because uh, because uh, his name was Rob Memory. He's with the Giants too. He's with my agency, and uh, he fa- his first professional at bat in those live babies was against me, and it was when I was ninety nine, ninety nine point eight, a hundred. He's like, "Yeah, you're kind of nasty, bro." And I was like, hey, "Thanks." Yeah. But yeah, pretty pretty cool. And then just that whole environment, training and yeah. COVID was awesome. And I think it was it was great for my development. Do you think having that year of like that COVID where you can just focus on the, on developing like kind of maybe in the long term, like obviously different circumstances, but like ideally, um, but maybe that was just very beneficial for you before you like entering pro ball. I mean, that was huge. I mean, I got like a, I got a nice player plan from the Giants when I got drafted. And with that, you know, seven, eight, nine months off, I was really able to just not worry about any results anywhere because I wasn't playing in actual mm-hmm. games only development, working on my pitches, working on what they want me to work on, working like command. And, 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 and that, you know, seven months was huge for me because yeah. it allowed me to jumpstart what I needed to work on. Um, with, and without, with having to play games through it, I don't know if I would be as good as I am now. Yeah. And like, I, whenever I like Google your name or just like search like articles about you, it's just giant beat writers just falling in love with you saying how fast you're progressing and like you may be someone's saying some were saying you might be called up this past season and um you're in triple a now which is sick um but like before that in in high school like how were the college visits like at one point like did you start and why didn't like was colorado state like never an option or do they look at you as like the one who got away like that's our guy i don't know i mean there's not a lot of like division one programs in colorado there's a few junior colleges few d2s um, and I originally committed as a sophomore in high school. Wow. So kind of like pushed away all like the, uh, the, the Colorado colleges from, from recruiting me. And then when I eventually decommitted and reopened my, up my commitment, no one in Colorado really, really was really talking to me. I don't know if the whole situation there. I mean, if, if CU, if CU Boulder ever had a program, I mean, that would have been insane because I definitely would have gone there. But, uh, again, when it was all said and done, like, my senior year when I decommitted and started looking around again, like I just felt that junior college was the best route for me. Um, and yeah, Central Arizona felt like a great fit, felt like, you know, a good culture, a good baseball atmosphere down there. And definitely thought I was going to get better. And I definitely did. 
So, uh, yeah, let's talk about JUCO. And I love talking to guys who went JUCO because, like, the stories I hear coming out yeah. of JUCO <laughs> colleges are insane. Um, but why, like, why the JUCO route? Like, I and, like I understand it because you can go one year, get drafted, and and there's so many good JUCO colleges that will compete with any D1 school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, for you personally, like, what was kind of, like, your reasoning to go there? Um, the biggest thing was betting on myself. Yeah. I mean, again, like, after I decommitted, I only had a few mid-major offers towards the end of my senior year. And none of them felt like a good fit. Like, I always thought that, you know, I could go to a bigger school and mm-hmm. compete there. But by the time again, I just didn't have an offer. So I was like, okay, do I either take a safe route, you know, go to this mid-major and, and, and pitch and, and, and hopefully progress and do better? Or do I go to Central Arizona, grind my ass off, you know, get better at baseball and, and see what can actually happen? And at the end of the day, after a few long talks with my parents, my friends, you know, my mentors – it just kind of felt like the best route for me was to battle myself and go that junior college route. And I mean, I'm forever thankful I did. That yeah. was one of the best years of my life. Baseball on the field, off the field, around friends. And I mean, the guys down there are still my friends to this day. Yeah. I haven't seen them in three years. So basically but, the moral of the story is bet on yourself. Cause you never know. Always bet on yourself, man. Yeah. Like yeah. it's just a different, like, once you bet on yourself and you're like, your back's against the wall. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. I have to get like, I chose this route. I chose to do this. Like, I don't know. Just bring something out of out of any competitor out there, and it always pushes them to be better. Yeah, and, and your team was like insane in Central Arizona. Like, they have such a culture. Like, so mm-hmm. I think I was reading like over a hundred, maybe hundred fifty guys have gone who have gone there have made who have gotten drafted or gone on to play mm-hmm. pro ball um, with like several like all stars who have gone there. Mm-hmm. Um, was that kind of playing a factor into it? Because like, there's a ton of good JUCOs out there, and like, obviously, that's one of the better ones. Yeah, I mean, talking to uh, Gilly down there, the head coach, uh, when I was taking my visit there, I just like – I like Arizona. I like staying, you know, a little bit closer to Colorado, mm-hmm. a little bit closer to home than, you know, going out to, you know, the west or the east coast and playing in, like, Chipola, Northwest yeah. Florida State, the ones. I just kind of want, wanted to stay closer to home, went there, and, and talking to him, talking to the players who were there, they loved it there and, and everything it stood for. So I was – I just wanted to be a part of that culture and, and – and, uh, I mean, it was awesome. Yeah. Like the way they develop players and the way they turn out prospects, like it's one of the greatest again atmospheres in baseball, in my opinion. All right, so let's let's talk about this. So you guys were good. You're 45 and 13. Your your season there, and you were just obviously dominating there. Um, do you have any funny JUCO stories? Because I've talked to guys who went to like the Chipotle route, or even to who went to uh, Wabash Valley and here in Chicago, and like they would talk to me about like they got in trouble and their coach has to punish them by making them wake up at four or five in the morning and do these crazy drills or um, run like a couple of them have to run miles, two miles after every like bullpen up and down a mountain, like all these just insane stories. Like what do you got from, from your Juco? Uh, I mean, I have, I have countless of insane <laughs> stories. I know that for sure. A lot of them I can't, can't speak on. Um, but you know, we had that morning conditioning, you know, every single day or Monday, Wednesday, Friday in the fall, we'd run up the mountain, you know, like a two mile desert run and then up the mountain, yeah. you know, 10 times. Um, and if anyone ever, you know, threw up on the mountain, which is inevitable, we always call it, uh, calling the dinosaurs because you were just, Ugh, you know, calling yeah. the dinosaurs. It was, I mean, that, I mean, again, it was just such a good team, such a fun team that we'd, uh, anytime we swept the team, uh, or swept the week, which was, you know, we went 4-0 in the week. We'd wrestle in the – in the we had a little modular trailer as our locker room with, like, hardwood floors, 
and you just call someone out and wrestle them for no reason. That's so sick. It was, it was, it was, it was, it, and it was a blast. I mean, looking, looking back on it again, it was one of the best years of baseball on and off the field in my life. Again, the memories you make in junior college and college in general are just, you know, so, so bad. Yeah. No, for sure. So, how, like, did you do a lot of wrestling yourself? Like, were you pretty good? At, like, I'm not much of a wrestler, uh, but like, did you I, hold your own? I got, a, I got my fair share. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I had a pretty. I, I feel like I had a winning record. I mean, I don't know. I don't yeah. really remember that. We'll, we'll start the narrative that we don't. Nobody should mess with you. Let's say like there's yeah, a. No one, yeah, I went undefeated in JUCO. Yeah. Yeah, like we'll we'll start then. Undefeated in wrestling in JUCO. Your wrestling career <laughs> undefeated. I'm gonna go ahead and tag that. Um, so we will start the narrative that if you're ever in a baseball brawl, like don't mess with him because like <laughs> Juco bandit, like undefeated wrestler, like I'm, that's going to be your, the narrative. <laughs> we'll start circulating around the giant fans there. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Um, so did you like, maybe what was like one story like, did you, or did your coach ever have like a story of trying to like to, to motivate the boys? Like maybe like a, a, a couple war stories or something like what was like his motivational speech? Not that it was never really like a huge motivational speech. Like he wasn't a big like rah rah kind of guy. He just kind of told it how it was and and, and kind of let the players play and express themselves. Yeah. And I mean, we were such a rowdy bunch. Like we didn't really need like getting pepped up. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we love trash. I get junior college. You're kind of still allowed to. We love trash talk. We love you know getting in people's grills and just fucking letting them hear it. Yeah. Bro. Like it was it was wild. Like. Uh, what was one state one team that you just love to like pitch against because like their fans were maybe the chirpiest or maybe some of the guys there were a little cocky i mean it's probably oh jeez. i mean again in junior college everyone was cocky and all yeah. the games were always so chippy in conference i mean again like the amount of times you would mouth off to the other dugout and i mean three four five i mean there wasn't a single game in junior college in conference where we didn't get a warning from the umpires in the second inning. <laughs> like it was just yeah. like that and, and that edgy all the time, which was it. why it was so fun because it was just raw competitiveness. It was, there was no like, you know, backing down. There was no like doing like a proper thing and, yeah. and not talking trash. It was whatever you wanted to say, you said it when you wanted to say it and you better back, you, you better back, back it up. up and, yeah. I mean, again, it was it was a blast because again, just the, the chippiness, the, the the competition was through the roof. Yeah, and then you ended up getting drafted after that. Um, like, how hard was it saying no? Because then you're all, you're betting on yourself again. Um, that might just be like the story of your career so far, just betting on yourself. Um, you end up going to Arizona State. Like, but how difficult of a decision was it to kind of like not get drafted or maybe say no and just go back to college? I mean, it was it was definitely <clears throat> tough. Um, but at the end of the day, I just had a look in the mirror probably about two weeks after I got drafted, about two weeks before the deadline. And I just could feel I just wasn't ready. Yeah. Like I was like maturity off the field. Like I'm not there yet mm-hmm. to take care of myself on the field. I still don't like, I was, I was a power pitcher, but I had a long way to go yeah. to being a, a successful professional baseball player. Um, and again, talking to a few people, it just felt like I was going to get more development at a university, mm-hmm. um, you know, get my education a little bit more because that's always important. And then and just develop for two years with a stress-free year in between that sophomore year. I was like, you know what? I think that's my best bet. I could really work on stuff and I could get, take these steps in my progression to mm-hmm. where like I'll be comfortable going into Pro Bowl and being ready to compete yeah. right away. Yeah, okay. Were there any other colleges or universities maybe kind of looking at you? Because obviously you're putting up numbers, you're hitting, you know, pretty high, you're throwing gas. Like, I had a, yeah, I definitely had a good amount of offers. 
um, one of the funny ones was Colorado uh, University of Colorado. Okay. Um, they're good, like the the recruiting guy there was good friends with my advisor at the time. Pretty sure they still are, but. He called me and asked me uh, how would I like it. It was like a 185% scholarship. Um, just as a joke, yeah. more or less, because they knew they weren't going to get me, but they just wanted to say they offered me just, just two. But yeah, something, they offered me 185, yeah, 185% scholarship to go there. And it was it was a pretty pretty good running joke. Um, but yeah, I mean, I Tennessee was a big one that I, I, I really liked. TCU was another big one. South Carolina um but again at the end of the day i just felt felt at home at arizona state you know i, I was already from basically arizona at the yeah. time because it's central arizona i love you know the, the idea of playing with torque and bishop and all the yeah that's sick i mean that that sold me a lot more um than anything else was was the ability to win right away yeah um in sophomore year we dealt with some injuries uh dealt some stuff like that which kind of dampened our season and then obviously the covid, COVID year yeah when we really felt like we were going to make a push, it's, you know, went to, to hell in a handbasket the entire world did. Yeah. And that's, that's crazy. And like, um, how was the visit to Arizona state? Like, obviously they're probably, you went on a couple different recruiting visits. Like, were you able to go to like, um, like, were you able to go to football games, maybe you know, go out with the boys, show, show you around? Like, uh, I mean, the, when I took my visit, it was probably mid July. Okay. So just because again it was after the draft and I hadn't you know decided what I was going to do yet, so I wanted to take my visits. And so it was mid July. No one was on campus. I, the only thing I did was I hung out with Lyle Wynn, who was uh it was with the, the Diamondbacks. And I was actually in Triple A this year too. But hung out with him. The freshmen were on campus for workouts, so like that was based all I did. Show me around campus, stuff like that. But again, just the culture that uh that that was being built at Arizona State, the players that were there. The competition I was going to face in the fall, day in and day out, I just thought that was just such a good fit for me. How sick is that, like, locker room and, like, the setup that they have? Because I feel like I've seen it it's, on videos. Like, it looks just sweet. It's pretty awesome. And they keep improving on it. Uh, uh, Bloomquist over there is doing, doing a great job right now with that program. Yeah. But, I mean, we got that. We have a pitching lab now. Yeah. They have, they have those, those batting cages that are, that are that are awesome. So, like, even now coming back, like you always get a good group of, of mm-hmm. alumni come back and training there because of, you know, the, the, the culture and, and the facilities that Arizona mm-hmm. State has provided us. And it's awesome. Are you just able to go there whenever you want then and like practice? You kind of have like an open invitation? More or less. Yeah. I, I, I just the courtesy of shooting uh, blew me a, a text saying that, hey, like I'm going to show up and, and work out and, and whatnot. Yeah. It's more of a common courtesy type yep, thing. Yep. But, uh, I mean, yeah, again, it's a good, good, like me and Torque and, and, and Tolman and a few other guys with their last year had live ABs, so ground sick. balls. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's just good to, to, to have that alumni backing and there's alumni there to talk to and hang out with. It's awesome. And how was it playing with those guys? Because you mentioned it's like Torque and the Bishop, I think, also was there, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was a blast just because, I mean, that offense was so good and so explosive that, like, you were never out of a game. And, 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 uh, I mean, I just—it it was awesome. And see, Bishop, that Bishop, that ju- his junior year, that first half of the season was probably the best hitter on the planet, and that was fun to watch. Yeah, did he get he got drafted by the Giants too, or no? Or, 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 the yeah. Giants back in the—I think it was tenth overall. Yeah, in nineteen, yeah. I yeah. want to say. I feel like that's right. That's crazy. Um, and you would—you were seven and one there, three saves. Um, like how how fun was it? Like. Um, or did you get to experience any college football days when you were there? You... Yeah, we went to a few college football games. I mean, How was it, was it in the Pac-12? So yeah. I mean, it's the Pac-12. Like, it's not really a football yeah. football conference, but it was so hot that 
I mean, you just kind of went to the games and sweated out. It was a good time. I and mean, definitely, definitely some fun times with the boys at the games yeah. and then the parties afterwards. Yeah. But uh, Do the coach make you guys run practices in the morning or maybe the evening before so you guys don't get after it too much or no? The only time we he would, like, hold us, like, really accountable was if we got, like, in trouble. Uh, like, one, one, one party, we had a noise complaint. We had a 5 a.m. conditioning the next morning. Yeah. But, like, I mean, he knew it was college. He knew what was going yeah. on. And as we kept our noses clean and, and they didn't get into any real trouble, like, he was all for us, you yeah. know, being a team, bonding, and having fun together. That's so cool. Um, so what, what, would, what would maybe he compare – not him, but, like, in general, like, compared to, like, a Juco, like, if you guys got in trouble compared to, like, getting in trouble at, like, a D1 school, like, is it a big difference? I feel like with the rules and different stuff, like, they may have you do these – Definitely. It definitely was just because you could get – you could get road at JUCO, yeah. and there was just no get away with it. regulations around it. Yeah, I remember last practice in fall in JUCO, one of the kids got a DUI, uh, and it was a last practice. We all went, we had a bonfire the night before, and we we're like, you know what? Like, we're just gonna go out. We're gonna have, you know, catch and BP in the morning at nine to ten, and be done for the fall. Yeah. Um, we got to practice at eight thirty. No, none of the coaches were there, and we were like, oh, what's going on? Like, all of us are a little hungover at the yeah. time. I'm like, oh, what's going on? He comes out, just red as can be, and goes, all right, everybody, uh, go put your running shorts on and your tennis shoes on and meet me in the corner. And I think we ran triangles for about four hours straight. Jeez. And there were, I mean, there were several times where I would just, like, start running. I'd, like, look down, close my eyes, and I'd wake up back at the start, and I had no idea how I got there. Because I mean, it was, it was tough. But I can tell you, we never, never got, never got in trouble again after that. Yeah. Did you find out? Like, did you guys know why you were doing it, or it was, it was? Like, we didn't, we didn't know until like they gave us like a break, like about halfway through, yeah. where they like, it, it got water obviously, yeah. and they're like, like, come on guys, like we can't let this happen. Like this is how seasons get derailed before they even get started. Wow. And they explained to us everything yep. that happened. And then we kind of, you know, realized and, and whatnot. And you know, at the end of the day, like everyone was safe. You know, the yeah. guy, the guy, uh, you know, faced his consequences yeah. for, for what he did, and, and no one was, no one was worse for it. Yeah, so, but it, it just goes to show you how like <laughs> insane, true. Because in a D one yeah. school, you're not running four hours in Arizona, in the middle of Arizona, like you. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what about playing in Arizona? Like, well, is there a team that maybe, cause it's not as chippy as like Juco's and stuff, but was there a team there that you kind of like to throw against? Maybe, uh, like you had like your best game where you just like, all right, I'm carving right now. I mean, I probably wouldn't say it was my best game. It's probably one of my worst games in college, but I mean, the funnest game was Arizona. Okay. I mean that I, the rivalry is, is awesome. The fans get into it. They packed the house. I think we got like 8,000 every single game, which yeah. was know awesome in college baseball so like that that game against them and, and that whole series we ended up sweeping them my junior year or sophomore year mm -hmm. but that whole series that midweek game it was electric and it was, a, it was just a blast yeah so talk to me about draft day because obviously with covid uh and i've talked to like maybe four or five guys from that draft year and they everyone has basically said around the same thing as like you didn't know what to expect because yeah. it's only five like five rounds but like what was your mindset going into it? And were you like pretty confident or like maybe like, ah, kind of iffy, like thinking about the possibility of being drafted? At first, like the first, you know, going into the day itself, I was pretty confident that I was going to get taken. 
Um, didn't know where. I mean, I yeah. had things from anywhere from you know middle second to, to end of the fourth. Um, but as the draft went on, I definitely started to just sweat it out a little bit. Um, and then in the third round, when I just remember one guy signed for like twenty five grand. Yep. And then it was just an absolute frenzy of like random picks and under slot and way over slot and. I remember calling my or texting my agent. And there was a, a, a meme of a, the the dog in the room of fire saying it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I remember I remember sending him that, and I'm like, "What what do we, what do we got, Alex? Like, like this is just insane." And then the third round went by where I thought I was gonna go in the third round um, to the Indians, and then the fourth round happened, and I hadn't gotten a call since. And then the Giants called me and were like all right, like, this is the offer we have for you. We can't give you any more money. Are you going to take it? And again, at the end of the day, I was like, I don't want to go back to school. Like, I got mm-hmm. everything I could out of Arizona State. Yeah. I, I think I want to, you know, see where I stack up against in, in, in my career and in pro ball. And then just, yeah, felt like a good fit. Yeah. Felt like I was going to be able to to, to compete and uh, and progress right away and early on and, you know, great choice yeah did you ever play with hayden Cantrell? i know he would think he i don't know if he's in the giants Oregon and he's i think he's in the giants org he's um, in the giants orgs now but we traded for him in like early season yep and we just never crossed fast yet okay. so i mean i'll see him in spring training next year i assume yeah but, yeah he was uh, drafted in 2020 um yeah and he uh, by the brewers they drafted him oh, okay and uh, he was traded from the brewers to the giants um he's been in the pot i guess he's a good guy uh, YouTuber, okay. like he has all these videos and stuff. Like he's into that, all that kind of stuff. Really good guy. But uh, he was just we we're talking talking him about like just a stress and like he said he was kind of calm, but his parents were like freaking out and like because <laughs> he was kind of like keeping things on the wraps. Um, and then like he it, everything kind of finally worked out. But yeah, I'm sure you'll bump ass with him at some point. He's really good guy as well. So you get drafted by the Giants in the in the fourth round. Obviously, that's really good. Um, like how was the, that feeling and. Like knowing that you bet on yourself to go to JUCO, you bet on yourself to go back to college, um, you go to Arizona State, and now you you get drafted in the fourth round. Like, what was that kind of like feeling for you? I mean, it was definitely just a complete rush of emotion. Yeah. I had to, you know, spend it with my family, um, even with you know COVID going on. I had to see my mm-hmm. grandparents, a couple of aunts, a couple of uncles, and, and just being around everyone. And and because everyone around me had made sacrifices for me up to that point, so just. You know, getting to share that moment with them, and, and I mean, it was one of the again, probably one of the most special days of my life to this point. Um, and something I just always cherish, no matter what happens um, in my career. Like I always be able to, to look back and, and look at that moment and spend time with my family, sharing that moment yeah. with them, and, and just feeling those emotions again. So you get drafted. Obviously, the signing bonus isn't what it it would have been. You know, outside of. Different years, you know, with COVID and all that. But well, this is a good chunk of change. Like, what was uh, maybe the first dumb thing you purchased with your uh, with your signing bonus? Uh, I mean, honestly, nothing. <laughs> um, the the most expensive thing I bought in the last two years was it was just an iPad, just because I didn't uh, just because I need I just traded in my laptop, got an iPad. But other than that, like again, like you said, it wasn't a huge. It was it was a good chunk of change, but it wasn't life changing money. So. I, I put it all away. I invested it all and, and uh, letting it grow and, and, and using it more as a you know, retirement fund after sure. baseball or, or as a way to keep my career going if I run into financial problems. Yeah. But yeah, I've been as smart as I can be with my money. Like, I'll, I'll go in you know, a few shops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, again, just try and save it, just try and keep it stashed away for, for the future. And uh, 
and yeah i'm fine for it yeah no awesome that's good for you like i've heard you guys tell me they bought chains and you know they bought the yeah. cars <laughs> and all that kind of stuff you never know it's good for you for being being uh very frugal and and saving Try investing. And yeah, no, I hear that. I hear that. Um, so you, you obviously, you or so you made, made that switch from being like a starter to a reliever. Like, what went into that? Because and when did that happen? Was that in college or like, did the Giants see you and you're like, well, we maybe see you as a reliever now? Yeah, I mean, to start off my year in college, uh, my junior year, me and the pitching coach sat down and had a pretty pretty long heart to heart talk about him seeing. Because I mean, obviously, I want to be a starter. Yeah. Like the draft, the money's made as a starter. Mm-hmm. You know, in baseball in general, money's made as a yeah, starter. So I was like, sure. I want to be a starter. Like I've always been one. I've been a, a pretty, you know, successful one. Like I, I want to be a starter. But he talked to me and said, like, look, like the way you pitch, what you have in your arsenal, like the way you are, you're a bullpen arm. Like you're a closer, uh, late late innings leverage guy. Um, and if you trust me, like you're gonna be fine. Like you're gonna go far in baseball. And you're gonna compete for a long time. And it was really hard because he was a new pitching coach at the time. Yeah. And, and me and him were just starting to build a rapport. And from the, you know, kind of dropped that on me. Yeah. I was, it, was, it, was, it was a tough pill to swallow at first. But again, at the end of the day, I just wanted to help the team win. I bought into it. Um, was pretty successful as a reliever. Uh, and then again, when the Giants drafted me, at first they said they were going to give me, they were going to decide they wanted me to start to come out of the pen. Um, and then it instructs. I only came out of the pen, yeah. pitched well, and then I was like, okay, like I'm fine being a reliever. Like I, I think again, it, it suited my, my 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 play style and everything. Now I did get a start this year, and it was pretty good, um, but only one. How many innings did you go? I went two, <laughs> I went two innings and five punches. Okay, yeah, yeah. Works. So you're like a like an opener kind of thing. It was an open, yeah. But it's but, a start. Uh, we'll call it a start. It's a start. It's a start in the books. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, starting's fun, but again, at the end of the day, I I, I just feel more at home in the bullpen. Um, and yeah, I, I I love it down there. What do you do to get yourself hyped up in order to pitch? Because um, like I've I've talked to guys who have done things from like drowning themselves, like a couple guys in the Marlins organization that would literally just like inhale water, water. and drown themselves, and kind of gets that rush. I'm use Red Bull, you know, smelling sauce. Like, what is your like thing to get hyped up? before you pitch definitely definitely some caffeine okay. uh, at some point either before the game in the middle of the game right before i go in just kind of kind of depends on, uh, on the day uh not to you know get too too caught up in a routine or anything mm-hmm. like that going into the game because you never know what can happen out of the bullpen but uh red hot red hot's always on my arm and caffeine those are the two biggest things have you ever tried smelling salts or no i have but not in season just in like uh workouts workouts yeah. you know bullpens trying to hit a pr and they're they're definitely a rush they're definitely a good time yeah did you did you do that before you hit 100 i did not know so you hit 100 with no smelling sauce that's pretty that's pretty no smelling sauce no red hot so jeez that's pretty so sick if I, could, if I can get back there who knows maybe 101 yeah i was gonna say you do that again a little you know <laughs> you might hit 101 too we'll see what happens uh, uh, we'll be hearing all about you in, in Giants, all from Giants fandom and writers and all that kind of stuff. Um, so let's talk about the minors. So, like, I love hearing stories about guys who grind in the minors from um, whatever it may be, like broken down buses to, like, uh, crazy fans. Like, do you have any funny minor league stories? Uh, I got a few. Like, last year, um, we played in Altoona. Like, there was that double road trip. Mm-hmm. We played in Altoona, um, played the game. 
it was like a six o'clock game. So we didn't get done until eight and we we're driving to Binghamton, which is like, it's only like four hours. We're going to get there mm-hmm. at midnight. Um, we put, like, everyone's asleep on the bus. We pull over at like 1130 and there's the traffic is just stopped. We're on a two lane highway and it stopped and there's just no movement. Cause there's like, there's apparently there's a crash like three miles ahead. So we stayed in a two lane highway in the middle of Pennsylvania from about 11 a.m. to about 4 a.m. And all we, I mean, we were just stuck. So all we did, we, we sat on the guardrail and drank beers with the entire team, the coaching staff, the trainers, the media guys, the, the broadcasters. We're all just there, just drinking beer, waiting for this, for this uh, draft to clear up. And we didn't end up not getting to Binghamton until like, I want to say like 6 a.m. Jeez. It was pretty wild. That's crazy. Yeah, like minor league travel is no joke. Um, no joke. I mean, even this year it was it was pretty. So we uh, we played in Tacoma and we were flying back, and our our flight got canceled like three days before to, to from back to Sacramento. So like we had to split the team into like three separate flights, and uh, obviously you know the young guys, me included, were on late flight. Yeah. So we flew from uh, Tacoma to San Francisco, and we landed in San Francisco at, like two a.m. They had a bus back and the bus driver was late. So again, we didn't get on the bus till like three forty-five, four o'clock in the morning. Jeez. And we bust back to Sacramento. Yeah. But yeah. That's insane. It's always, I mean, funny stories, you know, yeah. it's good. The long travel days always make for the best stories. Yeah. But you, the fact is that you're doing it. It's, it sucks. And it, it does. Um, and like you're professional baseball players and you should have a little bit better travel, but like you're grinding with the boys and that kind of makes exactly. it like, you're not going through it alone, right? You have a group of guys yeah, that you're, you're with ready. the boys, you're with, you're with guys with, you know, like minds and you know, the same situation. So yeah. first of the time you just joke about it, about how bad it is and then you just get through it together. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Um, have you had any funny fan interactions? Cause I've had guys tell me like they've had fans run onto the bus, um, while they were leaving to try to take pictures and like um fans starting fights and stuff like i mean obviously like minor league stadiums are really they're smaller and you can hear yeah. them all and stuff like have you had any like interesting like fan interactions the only thing i could think of was last year we had a taiwanese pitcher named kai Wei tang um and we were in i want to say tri cities it's like the middle of like was it washington and idaho it's like mm-hmm. in that border it's middle of nowhere and he pitches on sunday and, I, and he has a he's a fan club like a oh, Taiwanese yeah. fan club That's in Tri City, Washington, just like 40, 50 Taiwanese people is holding up signs. We get on the bus after the game, and he's walking out, and they line the bus. They give us all high fives, and then they give Kaiway like stuffed animals and, 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 and Korean snacks. It was it was hilarious. And Kaiway's just 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 awesome. Just, yeah, just a big. He's just a big panda bear. Um, but he's awesome, and, and and that was just hilarious. And so, what is your favorite snack? Speaking of snacks, like in the bullpen, like what do you? What's your go-to snack? Oh, uh, definitely seeds. They're yeah. called cha-cha seeds. They're, okay. they're, they're they're actually Kaiway put me onto them. They're Asian seeds, and they, I mean they're unreal. What is one stadium in AAA that maybe has like the best bread? Best bread? Or like, yeah, just maybe I, they just hook it up. I've heard like a couple different teams are like they just hook it up. I mean, I have. I mean, I have to go with our home Sacramento. We have a private chef up there, what? Michelle, and she was awesome. I mean, she didn't make a single bad meal the entire year, which is is pretty tough to say in minor league baseball. Yeah, but and like was. not very. Do do most teams have private chefs? Because I don't think that I've never heard. I of don't. Before. Think, I, I there's probably a handful of boards with, with them, and uh, and we were lucky enough to be to have one this year. I don't know if there was one last year, but this year we had one. And again, she was awesome. 
made great food and and, and uh, always accommodated to you. She was she was the best. Yeah, like what is your favorite food or meal? Like like post game meal that she would make. Oh, uh, she would make. She always made steaks like tri tip and yeah. some like uh, sweet mashed sweet potatoes, asparagus broccoli was really good, really good. Cool. Like I said, a lot of lot of organizations don't have that because I've never heard Mm -hmm. anybody say that they had a a chef. That they're pretty much just getting you ready for the show. I guess so. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna put this on the record. Uh, You might do something that no one has ever done before, and that's make me cheer for the Giants. Um, There you go. (laughs) I grew up hating the Giants because I was an A's fan growing up in California. Okay. And there's always yeah. that big area of rivalry. Like the Giants believe, were like yeah. the big brother and the A's were kind of like that scrappy, you know, don't pay Younger a lot of their players. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. So we kind of looked up at the Giants and then they would win three out of three World Series in like five or six years. And like everyone I went to school with would be like, you know, like three World Series rings, blah, blah, blah. And then all we had was 89 when we the A's beat the Giants. So, like, I kind of grew up, yeah. like, having that, like, not a hatred, but just, like, a friendly rivalry with them. Yeah, so, exactly. And you're the first guy from uh, the Giants organization that I've interviewed. So, like, really? I guess, yeah, like, I haven't had any Giants guys on. Maybe that's just my bias. And I'm like, I don't want them. But <laughs> somehow I, I convinced myself to get you on. And, like, like I said, you might make me want to cheer for the Giants now, especially yeah, once you go. make the show. Because if you're in the show and you're here in Milwaukee, like, I have the calendar circled on my calendar here, <laughs> the dates that San Francisco comes to Milwaukee. And I'm assuming you're going to make your major league debut. And when that day comes here and, and you're in Milwaukee, like we're going to have to chop it up a little bit. Hey, I'm down. Let's do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, tell Giants fans a little bit about you and let's end on this. Like maybe like something like your music that you like, or like, what do you, when you're not pitching, what do you do for fun? Uh, give something to Giants fans a little bit to listen to, to get to know you better. Big cook, big coffee guy. Those, okay. are, those are my my two biggest things. I love to cook. I mean, I'll cook for my girlfriend almost, you know, every day of the week. Yeah. I love yeah. to do it. Love experimenting with new foods. You know, big cook. Love to do it. And then coffee. I, I love coffee. I mean, go what, on my way. What's for, your you know, go-to like brand of coffee? I go to local roasters, you know, uh, try not to go to the same place too many times. Like every time on the road trip, I, you know, find a local place, you know, Tacoma was, it was a great one. I mean, yeah. Seattle is a great coffee. Tacoma. Salt Lake has some really good coffee, but love going to coffee shops. Love you know you know sampling coffees and and and, and tasting that. So those are my, my my two biggest things are cooking and coffee. Did you ever get any pointers from your guys' chef at in AAA? Every now and then, yeah, she gave me a few recipes that I'm gonna try out here soon. But uh, the biggest thing was Shelby Miller is an also huge coffee guy. Okay, and, uh, he taught me a lot about making coffee, kind of like special like espresso at home. Yeah, so I started doing that this this off season. But uh, again, like. Awesome. Love coffee. Love well, coffee. And how do you make your coffee? Like, what do you do to brew it? Like, do you do like French press? I use, French a, I press use an or... AeroPress right okay. now. Okay. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's just a little, again, it's a little bit cheaper than getting a full on espresso machine. So, you know, use an AeroPress, use some freshly ground coffee and, and it's great. Yeah, I'm, I love coffee myself. And like, um, I was talking to a guy who grew up in like the Wash Seattle area and I'm like, uh-huh. no offense, dude, but like, I hate Starbucks. And he's like, ah, oh, it's okay. We don't like it either. Cause you know, Starbucks originated like it's from Seattle, Seattle. yeah, yeah. stuff so, but like it, it, it's okay it's not yeah. great like I, i'd rather not go to starbucks not, yeah. not go to big chain coffee shops but uh if i have to i have to <laughs> pete's coffee i prefer pete's coffee pete's a pretty good one yeah there's Phil's coffees that feels good Phil's yeah. coffee is a, is a really good chain that that, that uh it's a chain but it's not a chain it's yeah. kind of like that yeah. in between yeah. phase like that's that's probably the the that and pizza too that I would only really go to yeah. chain one. Yeah, we don't have pizza that. out here. We don't have Phil's either in Wisconsin. I think Phil's is only only in California. Maybe like because uh, I know there was one in like Palo Alto area. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely. San Jose, but uh, yeah, so you you're you play in Sacramento. Like, what was maybe like your spot to go to? Like, maybe like you have a did you, you become like an In and Out fan? I don't know if they have In and Out in Sacramento. I'm sure they had to do, but like. Not really. Again, yeah. like I try to uh, I, with a private chef. I never had. To oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, my bad. So... My bad. I don't know. Why, I don't even know <laughs> why you asked that question. You know, Mister <laughs> Private Chef over here. <laughs> but yeah, I never. We, we never really had to get dinners because there was never a bad meal, which which is huge. I mean, yeah. again, in my only baseball usually pencil in yep. one or two dinners a week. Um, but I mean, again, that just took care of everything. Took stress off of finding food to eat sometimes, and I, it was it, it's. Good on the Giants, you know, like they that, that or, our org is is great. They treat our players the right way, um, and, and I love it here. Yeah, that's sick. Who was one guy like in the in, in, in your, on your team who just got like hounded by fans? Like that one dude that like everybody wanted an autograph for. Like autograph seekers are everywhere with their binders autograph, of autographs. Probably Ramos. Probably, okay. probably Ramos. Haley Ramos is is uh, definitely a fan for everyone that comes to autographs. Um. He definitely, definitely Ramos. Okay, that's great. What is the craziest thing you've seen a guy fan do to get an autograph? Because we talk about like um, these, like I know, like there's a lot of like grown men who will just come with their books and like they're like, hey, sign this autograph. Then you see him every single homestand, like you know, sign this autograph yeah. again. Um, that's really yeah, like you know, like I haven't seen really too many crazy things. Just, just again, like that, the, the, the same fan coming every single week with forty cards to sign. Yeah, and like. The first time, like, yeah, oh, yeah, I'll sign a card for you. And then you see 40 cards, you sign them all, and you're like, okay, whatever. Like, got sucked into it. And then the next week, like, you're signing autographs for a little kid, and then same guy comes up and hands a book, and you're like, well, I'm already here. How many more yeah. can you have? Then he has 40 more. Jeez, that's crazy. Like I said, fans, they do the wildest things, like whether it's chasing people down on buses or creating a fan club even for your, your guy out there. I uh, would. Yeah, but hey, I do want to thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, you taking your time to to talk and all that. Like, it's super cool. Um, like I said, I might be a Giants guy now. Like, I don't know. Like, we'll have to see what, how it works. I might I might have to see if I can get. Maybe you can help me get a couple more of your of your Giant guys on here because, uh, like I said, I haven't. Also, had... we can do. We can we, we definitely have, we can pull some strings. Yeah, who's your roommates out there? Uh, right now it's just a college buddy and my girlfriend. Okay. All right. Yeah, we just got a place out here in uh, in Arcadia and, and, and nice and simple. Nothing yeah. too crazy. Okay, right on. Well, I might, I might have to DM you with a couple of requests. Be like, hey, let's let's work this out and try to get a couple of these guys on here. Cause, uh, yeah, let's see what we can do. I appreciate that, brother. All right, hey, you have a good one. Rest of, enjoy the rest of your day. All right, you too, man. Right, appreciate it. Yep. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.